So I want to read to you now from the Gospel of Matthew, the 25th chapter, and it's verses 14 through 30, and if you'd like to follow along, you can find that in your pew Bible on page 860. Listen now for the word of the Lord. For it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done. Good and trustworthy slave, you have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. Master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten. For to all who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here ends the reading. that particular passage could bring up some fear in us, perhaps. Because if you read it as someone who wants to be faithful and and try to draw from that story that Jesus is telling about the kingdom of God, someone wants to be faithful, we want to do our utmost with what we've been given. At least that's the, the, the basic message of that particular passage. The kingdom of God is like that, that God, God gives to us things that we are to be using to further God's kingdom, to be returned in thanksgiving to God with some sort of fruitfulness, with some sort of harvest. But when you get to the end there and you, and, 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 and you hear about the one, you think, well, am, am I the one? Am I just burying who I am and what I'm doing? Am I, am I just serving my own selfish fears with this? In the message translation, um, it says, it has him saying, I was afraid I might disappoint you. 
I was afraid I might disappoint you. Fear. We've been feeling a little bit of that lately, haven't we? It just comes up when these things happen, these terrorist attacks or these bombings. It, it, it hooks into us in a new and a different way when it is so sudden and so... And, and even though it's not close to home, it feels like it is because these are ordinary people doing ordinary things that we do, going out to eat, going to games, going to a hotel, and their lives are taken because they happen to be in the wrong place at the right time. And so it hooks into our fear... And one theologian said this week, and I thought it was really astute, that, that, you know, fear is real, but when you feed fear, it only gets more hungry. We only become more afraid. And that's a scary proposition, isn't it? That if we feed our fear and we constantly surround ourselves with stories about how we need to be ready and we need to do this and we need to do that, that we can become so scared that we lose our ability to be generous with each other, with other people. We begin looking around, as I heard one NPR report this week, begin looking around the market as if everybody was out to get us. We can become afraid in such a way that we just want to draw everyone close. You know, you hear it all the time. People say, well, when these things happen, I just, I just hold my children a little closer to me, Right? That's not a bad thing. But often what fear causes us to do is to hold everything closer to us. And so we sort of shut down and we don't, we don't find a way to open ourselves up into the world in a way that I believe we are called to be open as Christians. Fear keeps us from being generous with everything that we are and everything that we have. We might give more love or show more love to those that are close to us, but in terms of strangers or in terms of people outside of our circles, we're less likely to do that. Fear causes us to shut down and to pull in. And so today, as Westminster Church celebrates what we call Consecration Sunday, and as we celebrate Thanksgiving here in our country, and as we celebrate that in our congregation, it really is a stand in the face of fear. Because to give thanks is to say to the terrorists, we will not be afraid. We will not cower. We will not hold back. We will give generously of the love that we have been given. We will give generously of the grace that we have been shown. We will give generously of our resources so that others might know how to do this very thing. So that others might know what it is to live in the face of fear, and to not be afraid. Isn't it interesting that every time the angels show up in the Bible, that's the first word that they say? Do not be afraid, because angels know that if you're afraid, you're going to pull back, and you're not going to receive the message that the angel has for you. And I think that happens to us as well, that when we hear, when we hear things that happen, we, we pull back. And so today is a testament. It's a testament to the power of standing in the face of fear. 
to not be like that third servant who was so afraid of his master that he decided just to bury everything so that he wouldn't be punished. He was so afraid of what an outcome might be, he couldn't do what he needed to do. We can take heart from Hannah. Here she is, a woman without children in a society where that is the pinnacle of what it means to be a woman, is to provide heirs and to provide sons and to provide daughters into your family. That is, that is part of what it means to be a woman. And that continues in many ways today, even though we don't honestly like to talk about it very much. And so she has no children, and, and it makes her very sad and downcast. And so then she prays to the Lord about it, and the, and the Lord responds to her faithfulness by allowing her to become pregnant and to have a child. And I think our, her, you know, our normal first response as human beings would be, I'm going to protect that child from everything. I'm going to keep that child close to me. I'm going to make sure that this special child that God gave me never sees and never has any harm come to it. What does she do? She takes her firstborn child and gives the child away to God. This child that is so precious, so so long awaited for, she gives the child away. She sacrificially gives of the very fruit of her own body because she trusts God so much. What if we, in the face of fear, trusted God so much we were willing to give sacrificially? What if we were willing, in the face of fear, to trust God so much that we were willing to give sacrificially? I want to talk about money for a little bit. It's not a topic that we talk about very much in our, in, in our lives, do we? I mean, there's a big hullabaloo right now about should CEOs' salaries and other people's salaries be published? Should it be out there? Should people know what people make? In a lot of companies in HR, you know, they, we don't let anybody know what the other person is making because we think it'll make people mad or something. Or feel like they aren't being valued in the, in the correct way. Here's what I have to say about that. The things that we don't like to talk about, the things that we keep hidden away from each other, those are the things that we truly worship. Those are the things that we truly worship. And it's money, for many of us, that really can cause us to fear. And I understand that. I worry about retirement, you know? Like, I'm 45, 46, whatever I am. And, and, and I worry, you know, I worry about what's going to happen when we get ready to, to not have this income-producing thing called work as part of our lives, and, and am I going to be able to live at that point in time? And I see a lot of heads nodding up and down, yeah. And we get inundated with this kind of information, and so money can cause us to be, to be sort of like hoarders, you know. We, we're like, oh my gosh, i got to get my pile big enough because I don't, you know, I'm worried about this, and I don't trust that there's anything else that would happen where I'd be okay. And so we hoard, and we, and we keep it, and it causes us to fear. 
A number of years ago, on this very Sunday, on Consecration Sunday, I announced to the congregation, because this is just what I do, I announced to the congregation that Jennifer and I were backing off our giving. We were going to give less in the next year. And I had great reasons for that. Kids are getting older, college, you know, we need to figure out a way to help pay for college. Um, retirement, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, we all have the reasons, right? We all, we all have those reasons. Let me tell you how bad I felt for a year. God did a number on me that year. God kept showing me how I was not being very faithful. And that was God's message for me. This isn't, you know, if this is God's message for you, then hear it. But this was God's message for me. It was, God said, if you trust me, if you trust me, I invite you, I invite you to see what happens when you give a tithe, which is 10%. First fruits, that's what it says in the Old Testament. They gave their first fruits. When they had the harvest, they gave their first fruits to God. It wasn't after the fact, it wasn't after they divided it up among their families. They gave their first fruits to God, to the storehouse, to, in order to take care of things as a thank offering to God because they trusted that God had provided for them. And so that next year, that next year, we jumped off the cliff, and I, that's how I talked about it that year in the message. I said, I mean, I was up there, and we're getting ready to make this commitment of 10% right off the top, and my heart is exploding in my chest and coming up into my throat while I'm saying the words because I know I've got 150 witnesses who are going to be checking out whether I do that or not. And we've done that every year since. Continue to make that commitment and seeking to honor that 10% commitment. And I won't tell you that somehow, you know, like some, you know, folks like, well, we, you know, we, all of a sudden we're a lot richer now and we got more things and blah, blah, blah. Everything just went roses for us, you know. No. But it reminds me every month what my, where my trust is. Tithing reminds me about what my priorities are and what the priorities for my family are. Giving regularly and committing yourself to something sacrificial, it, it's not a burden, though sometimes it does feel like that. Let me tell you, there are, there are years when I look back at our giving and I'm like, man, we could have used that money. But the giving is not necessarily for God. The giving is for me. For me to not be afraid. For my faith to grow in God. To trust God with everything that we are. With my family, with my children, with my money, with my work, with my love, with everything. And I'm not telling you today that it's easy to stand in the face of that fear. Every once in a while, my heart starts to beat really fast and it moves up into my throat because, I, because I'm, I'm thinking about the future again. And I'm worried about what might happen. Well, lots of stuff might happen. And guess what? Probably a lot of things will happen. But today, but today we make our stand. Today we say where our trust is. Every day we need to do that in terms of our faith, in the way that we treat others because we believe that they are loved 
by God just as we are loved by God, whether we know them or not. How we open our hearts and our lives to others is determined by how we trust God with our very lives. Frederick Buechner, who's a great, um, a great writer, uh, said, to sacrifice, to sacrifice something is to make it holy by giving it away for love. To sacrifice something is to make it holy by giving it away for love. Can we trust God with our lives? Can we stand in the face of fear? There's a song that's out now that one of the lines says something like this. Because Jesus lives, we no longer have to fear. Because Jesus lives, we no longer have to fear. May you no longer have to fear. Because Jesus lives. Amen.